All right, welcome to our Sunday School. We are continuing our series on the topic of depression. Uh, the title of the series has been, When Christians Get Depressed. So it does assume that Christians do get depressed. And uh, today we're going to be addressing the, well, the subtopic will be legalism. Addressing legalism in the midst of depression. All right, so uh, let's, go, let's have a brief overview of what we have uh, covered so far in terms of the definition of depression. Uh, I know there's a clinical side to it, but there's certainly a spiritual aspect to it as well. Um, and we've defined depression as prolonged suff- or sorrow. Prolonged sorrow. And sorrow involves uh, pain in the soul. Uh, um, pain of all kinds, right? Um, within ourselves. It's the pain of hopelessness. It's the pain of meaninglessness uh, that persists over a long period of time. Um, depression is like d- a darkness that, that shrouds or colors um, your, th- your whole world. Right? Because you can't uh, shake these, these deep frustrations and, um, and disappointments. Um, so although, yes, it can be clinical, uh, overall depression is spiritual suffering. Uh, at, least, at least the way we experience it is, is spiritual suffering. Proverbs 13, 12 uh, says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we see that hope being taken away from us, whatever the object of our hope is, when that is taken away from us, it makes our heart sick. And when the command center of our soul becomes sick, everything about our life becomes sick. And so the things you thought you could depend on, they're stripped away from you, they're taken away from you. And uh, that's what makes our heart sick. Now, what causes uh, these types of, of experiences or seasons in our life? Well, it could be tragedy, right? It could be broken relationships. Uh, it can be an accumulation of disappointments and uh, discouraging moments. And as a result, one of the more common experiences of those who go through depression is this feeling of failure, this feeling of shame. And so I'm... I'm um, Utilizing some of the chapters from Ed Walsh's book on depression that, that talks about um, this experience of failure and shame. It's the feeling that you have not measured up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. Right? It's the constant feeling that you're never enough, no matter how hard you try, even after you accomplish things. You can still, uh, you cannot even enjoy the small victories. Because it's all shrouded or colored by um, this over, overbearing uh, shame or failure or sense of failure, right? It's uh, and failure and shame really are the are the fruit of the root problem. When the root problem really is, in many cases and many times, is legalism. Legalism. Legalism is a is a works based righteousness. Right? It's counting on ourselves rather than relying on the grace of God. Legalism is making an idol out of our own merit or performance. Right? So legalism is making an idol out of our own merit and perf- or performance. Uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, the classic Willy Wonka and uh, the Charlotte Factory. And there's a scene when they're, in, they're going, making a tour through the, through the factory... And you see these, these giant goose, or geese, right? And they lay these eggs, these giant eggs. And the eggs roll down, and they, they, uh, they go to the measuring you know, plate, and, or the weight 
you know, and then the, the arrow goes either from good egg or bad egg. And that's really how legalism operates. It, it operates in absolutes. You're either in or you're out. You're either good or you're bad. Um, you're either a failure or you're a success. You're worth something or you're worth nothing. There's really nothing in between those two things. Uh, so the term legalism is helpful in our discussion because you have the word law in it. right? You have the word law. Can we close those front doors? Please, thank you. Um, you have the word law in there. And if there is a law, then there's a standard. There's a standard. So then the question is, what is the standard that you are trying to live up to? Right? And so in the, uh, and, uh, from here, we're going to go into uh, the book of Galatians. You know, the book of Gal in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul uh, hunts down legalism aggressively. Right? Paul sees legalism as deadly to the church because it compromises the gospel. Right? It puts in bondage those whom Christ has set free. And Galatians 1 begins by saying, For, I, for do I now persuade men? He, Paul's talking about himself. Right? He's, he is shocked by how the church has gone away from the gospel that, 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 that is based upon the grace of God in Christ. Right? He is shocked by this. And so he, um, he talks about his, his own, uh, the basis of his own ministry. And he says, for, for do I now persuade men or do I persuade God? Do I please or, or sorry, do I persuade men or do I please, sorry, do I please persuade men or God? Do I please seek to please men? Sorry about that. For I still, if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Right, so that's what Paul is bringing up. Right, the word to please can mean to win someone's approval or to flatter someone. Paul, saying, Paul says, I'm not trying to win the approval of men because if I try to win the approval of men, I'm not going to be a bondservant of Christ. Why? Because being a, a bondservant of man is, a, is, is taxing. It, it sucks the life out of my soul because that path only leads to one direction, only one destination, and that's death. And if I'm too busy trying to please man's standard... I will not be a bondservant of Christ. Right? This is Paul's version of Proverbs 26.25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will shall be safe. Who are you seeking to please? Who are you seeking to please? Whose standard are you trying to live up to? Who gets to measure your self-worth? Is it others? Is it yourself? If you find yourself struggling with anger because of something that you did or, some, or because of something that happened to you, you might have a right to feel that way, but if your response is resentment or bitterness, I guarantee there's going to be legalism found there. There's a works-based righteousness set in place. If you struggle with self-pity, Everything depends on how you feel about yourself, how, how you feel about your circumstances, or how your, rather your circumstances make you feel. There's a works righteousness system in place there. 
of, in the middle of your self-pity. If you find yourself needing the acceptance of others or wanting people to like you, there's a works righteousness system in place there as well. You have to work to meet other people's standard. They stand as the judge and you're just like the jester, entertaining them, hoping that they accept you, that they like you. What about reputation? Do you, do you want people to see you in a certain way? Do you want people to see you as wise or put together? If so, you have to work hard to accomplish that. And not only that, do you ha- not only do you have to work hard to accomplish that, you have to work hard to maintain that. Legalism is an endless work with no lasting reward because it all depends on your performance. Your self-worth will have an endless list of conditions. Everything is based upon your works. Now, this is not to be confused with work. Our calling to work is a good thing that God has created us to do. Right? Works, plural, is a status of righteousness that you're trying to achieve by your own efforts. When your self-worth is wrapped up on your performance and the results then becomes a, a yoke of bondage. That's a yoke of bondage. But that's not the Christian life. This is a trap that will run you to the ground mercilessly. Ed Welch provides some suggestions on how to locate where legalism may be present in your heart as you battle depression. All right, so I really enjoyed this part of his book. Uh, one of those is, is when he says, if you're, is your life a long what if? What if my life looked this way? Or maybe I could put it this way. It, I, I want to have you mentally, or at least pri- or it, by yourself, fill in this blank. My life would be better if, fill in the blank. Or I would be more joyful if blank. If you'd like to journal, I encourage you to take some time and process that. It may take a couple of t- uh, practice runs, you know, as, but eventually you're going to see a consistent pattern. Answer that or fill in that blank. My life will be joyful. My life will mean something if there you will find oftentimes the presence of legalism, the works that you have to do. Let me put it in a slightly different way. Christ plus what makes me a faithful Christian? Christ plus serving at the church. Christ plus reading my Bible. Christ plus succeeding as a husband or wife or mom or dad. Christ plus having more in my bank account, Christ plus losing weight, whatever it is. All of these things are good, right? They're good things to strive for in the right context. But do they add on to the gospel? Are you accepted by God because of what Christ has done for you, plus your performance or faithful obedience? That's the case. It's not the gospel. 
The gospel is Christ plus nothing. Christ plus nothing equals true freedom. Nothing rests on your shoulders. Paul says if you want to keep part of the law, you're going to have to carry the whole weight of the law. You can't just pick and choose. You can't have Christ plus works because otherwise, Paul says, Christ means nothing to you. He avails you nothing. There's only one way out of legalism, and that's to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and lay the burden of the law on his shoulders. He's already carried it on the cross. Lay it on his shoulders. If my child brings me something that they drew, something that they built, Legos, whatever it is, they, whatever they show me doesn't determine whether or not I love them. I'm going to love them no matter what. Right? The best thing that I can do for my sons is for them to know that whether they fail or succeed, Dad is still going to be there. Dad is still going to love them, no matter what. My children need to know that they have the freedom to fail or succeed and know that Dad's not going to kick them out of the family or look at them any less. Right? If I can provide a glimpse of that unconditional love to my kids, how much more our Heavenly Father? Listen to what Paul says about how he, how he wants us to walk our Christian life in Galatians 5. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. In your depression, do you feel free? Or do you feel like you're in bondage? Do you feel trapped? Or do you feel isolated? No matter where you turn, all you see is your disappointment. No matter where you turn, all you see is discouragement. That's going to wear you down. Paul says, brother, sister, stand in the freedom you already have in Christ. Don't entangle yourself to a yoke of slavery. But here's the key. Freedom to do what? Paul answers that in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How many times in our depression are we so focused on ourselves that we don't have time to think about anyone else? But Paul says, live in the freedom Christ has provided. He alone carries the full weight of the law. Now love your brethren and serve them. Serve not to promote your, yourself, your, your reputation. Don't serve out of a need to perform. Don't serve out of a need to please them or, or have that um, need for acceptance. Your worth is found in, the, in Christ alone and how He sees you. 
Paul says, count yourself dead to the law. Whether that's God's law or the law or a law that you have made yourself. He says, count yourself dead to the law that you may live to God. I'm going to change gears a little bit. And Ed Welch, um, in one of his chapters, he um, asked a number of people, I presume they're mostly Christian, uh, he asked these people who came out of depression, uh, what helped them? Right? He says, to, to, you know, he has them explain in one or two sentences, what helped you to get out of your depression? And I found, I found this to be really helpful too. Uh, one of those responses, I'm not going to name them all, but just a few that I, I want to point to your, uh, bring to your attention. A friend didn't give up on me. She was always loving me and pointing me to the truth, even when I didn't want to hear about Jesus. Another response. A friend let me borrow her faith. Another response. I forgave my father. Right, the role of forgiveness there. Another one. A friend who knew me well told me I was being a martyr. Oh, that's important, right? I began to believe that I was in a battle and realized that I had to fight. I saw that I was doing things rather than having things done to me. Another person wrote medication. And the last one. A friend who helped me to move from the tyranny of the should to living out the gospel of grace. That, that's a really good application of what we just covered in the first part of our lesson. Getting out of the tyranny of the should to live out the gospel of grace. And notice a, a consistent pattern here is a friend. A friend helped me out. Depression is all about isolation. That's where we feel most, the, the majority of our misery. It's because we're, we're isolated from so many things. I mean, we can be surrounded by people and still feel isolated. But what helped most of these people was a friend. A friend that was allowed to speak directly to their heart. All right, let me change gears one more time. Um, there's another chapter that I found helpful on some strategies. Now, this is not a to-do list, um, but something to stir the pot. Right? Something to stir the pot. And the first one is don't go at it alone. You can't do it in isolation. All right? Seek friends or, if necessary, medical or professional help. Uh, another strategy to, and I'm going to put my uh, PE coach hat on for just a minute, um, because our physical health does oftentimes dictate our emotional, spiritual health. And another strategy, I think, for someone going through depression is to um, assess or prioritize your health, right? Namely, sleep and exercise, 
right? Take a look at um, your nighttime routine. Maybe there's some things you could change so that you have enough time to sleep and feel more relaxed. Manage your screen time, manage your screen time, manage your screen time. Uh, if you like herbal tea, you know, all those, those different types of things that help us wind down. Maybe one of those things help you. Uh, and then exercise, by far, is one of the best ways to get rid of stress hormone. Right? Lower the cortisol level. Um, doesn't mean you've got to run a marathon or run a 5K. It just can be a walk. Simple, a simple walk. Um, if you've got kids, maybe you can urge them on the race uh, with you. I don't know. But something to get, some, something to get outside, something to, to up your heart rate. Anything is better nothing. Okay. My PE hat is off. Um, take the time to read and meditate upon Scripture. We say, we say this so many times, but it's the source of our life as Christians. It's not good advice. It's not just therapeutic it's food for our soul. Right? Don't rush reading through Scripture. It's not a race. Slowly read it. Meditate on it. His mercies are new every morning. Can we meditate on that? His mercies are new. What mercies? How, is God how, is God, how are God's mercies new to you today? We don't think about that enough. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Right? Psalm 136. Can we slow down and read and meditate upon that verse? Find other ways to surround yourself with Scripture. Music, sermons, podcasts, so many, many uh, resources out there. There's no reason why we can't have access to a resource that can help aid us surrounding yourself with the Word of God. When you're outside, take one aspect of creation. I'm getting this from Welch. Um, take one aspect of creation, grass, a squirrel, a mountain, whatever. Focus on that until you, you can say that it's good, that God is good. Take the time to pray for others. Right? Got to get your mind off of yourself. Send them an encouraging note. You're not the only one suffering. And that's the, 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 the deception that the depression creates. It gives you blinders. I'm the only one going through this. No one understands me. All of that is a lie. The Lord Jesus Christ understands. He is your great high priest. Go to him in your time of prayer, but also in your time of need, but also pray for others. Take that time. Uh, I like what Ed Welch says at the end of his book. Joy takes practice. And they can apply that to other things. Thankfulness takes practice. Right? It's not going to come easy. 
Because so many times we have conditioned our mind and our heart to believe in a lie. It's that, that lie isn't going away at, at, at a snap of a finger. Right? You condition your heart and mind to believe those lies. Now you have to condition yourself to believe in what is true. You began a good work in you. We'll see it to completion. That's what you've got to remember. If you're in the midst of your depression, or perhaps will uh, in the future experience depression, it's not meaningless, right? It's not meaningless, nor does it mean that you have failed. God has led you to the place where you are right now. He is shaping you. He is molding you into the image of His Son. He is refining your faith like gold. He is teaching you to look outside of yourself. See the marvelous grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. He is not ashamed of you. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ does not see you as a failure. Because it's not up to you to begin with. We're covered in His robes of righteousness. Christ has sent you His Advocate, that is the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that strengthened Him every step of the way to, go to, to the cross and, every, um, and to overcome the cross. You're not alone. And you are not your own. You belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You belong to His church. So utilize the means that God has given you to experience his grace, and His support. And I'll close with uh, Proverbs 3.5. It's a verse I seem to always come back to. Right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own standard of righteousness. Lean not on your own um, self-centered desires. Right? But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. God has given you the path for your depression. Lean on His wisdom, not on your feelings or interpretations of your life circumstances. It's a battle that you're in, yes. But remember, God always has the final say. God has the final say about your sin. God has the final say about your failures. God has the final say about your self-worth. God has the final say about your depression. Listen, trust, and follow the path of your Heavenly Father. The path that He has provided you through His Word and through His providential care. Amen.